Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 885 4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508 252 3359. Propane Heating and Cooling. It's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885-4209. In Massachusetts, call them at 508-252-3359. They're very easy to navigate website. It's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401-885-4209. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on this Monday, December 26th. Again, Merry Christmas, one and all. I hope you had a a great weekend. If you think uh, weather is tough around here, and it is, it's very cold out. It is going to w- start to warm up, not only today, but then as the week goes along, at least, at least uh, break out of all these freezing, freezing temperatures. Folks, check out some of the snow totals in western New York, though. They just got buried. 44 inches of snow. Many people are trapped. Now, you're off today. In addition to listening to the radio, uh, make sure also you check out our website, dipetro.com, and then we're posting videos. We have uh, quite a bit. Maybe you want to catch up. Maybe we're off this week. can catch up on some of our videos from the potential building collapse that almost happened on Friday. We have that up. Then we also have the uh, all the different episodes, six episodes in with uh, Cranston PD Live. We're going to be posting some of the other video we've had over the course of the year. Some of the problems in Trinity Rep. It's a full happening, folks. You can check all of that out on the website, dipetro.com. You're listening to The John DePetro Show. Folks, joining us right now from the Boston Globe is columnist Dan McGowan. And Dan, once again, what a remarkable streak right now about these uh, these Knicks. <laughs> I think that the only thing... Uh, I, I can't think of anything that's even that's any more meaningful, right? Elon Musk is the biggest story in the world right now. You got uh, Zelensky in the country today, but I think everybody should be focused on eight wins in a row uh, for, for the Knickerbockers. <laughs> Absolutely. And also, just a, a side, and you'll appreciate this, Rhode Island being Rhode Island, Friday night I was attending a Christmas party, and for dinner we sat down, and seated next to me, so we got a chance to talk during the course of the dinner at the Christmas party, happened to be from the Providence Police Department, and Mike Stevens, who's a big fan of yours, and you can appreciate the uh, the appearing there. He What a great guy. We had a great time. I was going to say, I th- he draw the short straw there because he was going to have John DePietro next to him yeah. <laughs> the whole time. But you're right. Like, Good, very good man, and I, and I really think, good guy. And I think to to the really to the police department's credit, uh, the job that that he has eventually found there, um, you know, after all the the riffraff over whether he should be a major or not, it's actually the right job. He's got a you know he's got some level of voice the community. Uh, I think a lot of the guys who know him in the police department do like him. It's not as high profile as maybe it was designed to be. Uh, and that's probably the right thing for him uh, and for the department. Yeah. And it's funny. Our host was, you know, later told me, listen, you're a good guy. He's a good guy. I peered you guys up. So uh, the two of you get to know each that's other. Fantastic. We had a really, yeah, really, really good time. And Dan McGowan, one of the things we talked about, and I told him, I was telling there's some different people at the party is I was blown away at the, your former colleague, Steph Machado's exit interview with Mayor Alorza. Now with someone you've covered him for eight years. Uh, I, I, I think right now he's saying things that no other elected official will say. And of course he then, you know, repeated some of it. It wasn't, it didn't, I don't think he got as much attention on, uh, on 10 news conference. It's kind of become the line though, because now I'm seeing other people ask, well, would you send your children there? But I'm talking about Mayor Lorza, uh, that exit interview. He would not send Omar, his son, to the Providence Public Schools. Boy, he is just, he, if people will stop and listen, what he's saying actually makes sense. But 
some of it is, is seemingly just kind of get washed away because people are so blown away at some of the statements he's making. Yeah, you know, he certainly, uh, for a guy who I would say has not played uh, politics or the media, sometimes it's the same, quite well over his eight years, uh, he sure knows how to go out with a bang. Um, wow. Because the mayor knows exactly what he's doing um, on his way out the door. This is not, um, you know... I'm just sitting down and, you know, uh, saying a few things on my mind. This is how the mayor, uh, you know, had developed this feeling over the course of particularly, I think, the second term in office, you know, right after the, the, his last year as the first term, the Providence teachers, of course, you know, shouted him down at his state of the city address, uh, you know, uh, kind of famously made his mother cry. Um, and he has never forgiven them for that. More importantly, though, I should say that that sounds like I'm just saying, you know, he's got a grudge. He, he, you're right. If people out there, and I think a lot of your listeners, certainly a lot of my readers, I think, look at Mayor Lori's and they see an administration that was kind of all over the place. Like, you know, a lot of the stuff around, you know, uh, you know, reparations and municipal, you know, uh, guaranteed income. A lot of people don't love that, you know, that idea. He certainly is a guy who um, ideologically is a is far to the left, but he is speaking truth to power here on the on the Providence teachers and on the Providence school situation. That was a candid view. You remember back when when Angelica Infante Green first took office, she made a similar. She said she wouldn't send her kids to the Providence schools. Now, she never ended up living in Providence. It's much more significant, I think, with the outgoing mayor, who's got a kid going into kindergarten, um, is, is saying that. And, you know, it is, I think it's, it is to some degree strategic. The one criticism I would have of him on, on this topic is I do wish that he was more aggressive when he had a chance to be with the sure. Providence teachers. In yep. first, if you think about it, in the first term in office, the first four years, he signed two, not one, two Providence teachers contracts. Um, you know, one very quietly right after he took office that he was kind of dealt, you know, the hand that Angel Tavares gave him. And then he signed another contract after he won um, re-election. That was after he had had all those fights with the teachers. You know, neither one of those contracts were particularly substantive, as he'll admit, as he, he, he you know, consciously admits. But you know, the, the, the argument that he's making is I need the mayor, the incoming mayor, as much as everybody, you know, and I'm, I'm as Dan McGowan as a columnist is guilty of this, you know, as much as we all kind of think Brett Smiley is prepared to kind of do a good job, be it in, in you know, he's ready to do this job. What, what Mayor Alorza is saying is I need the mayor-elect to understand that there is no reason to have, you know, prolonged negotiations with these Providence teachers. Exactly. Saying, I to understand this. This is not, uh, he, I think he said this, I don't know if it was on Gene's uh, interview or it was on Steph's interview, but his point is, I came in, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I thought yep. that I could come in there and make a difference because I was different. And he, and he said, look, <laughs> there's nobody, no individual that can right. make a significant difference with these Providence teachers. And that's why he's so aggressive. And I think, I don't think he's going to go away. I think you're going to hear him talking about this in one way or another um, for a very long time to come. Remember, he's a young guy. He's still in his early 40s. That's right. And Dan McGowan, but he, a couple things about that. Uh, and I agree with it. It's a fool's errand to try to negotiate. Well, you and I both know Fonte Green uh, under Raimundo. They spent hours the back and forth, different room. In some way, it's almost like you playing their, their, their hands. But what about, what do you make of um, him saying that he basically said Governor McKee betrayed the children of school, made every concession union wanted. Now, Dan McCown, that, that sounds strong, but that, wasn't this the same guy that was standing there at the press conference for the Superman building saying, I got to give credit to Governor Dan McKee? Well, this is, again, the the strange thing for, for folks, as I say, out there who listen to you or, li or read and listen to me, you know, you, when you look at the legacy of this mayor, yeah, you, you almost you have to kind of take it 
kind of issue by issue because there are things, you know, I think uh, we'll be sure we'll talk about this, but, you know, on economic development stuff, and right. he ceded all of that to the state. He had no interest in it and he um, really gave up a lot of power and those kind of things. Um, you know, but on public employee unions, I mean, I remember you years ago, you know, cheered him on to some degree when he was taking on the Providence firefighters, right? Yeah. He's a guy who who has been willing to, based on the, the office, I mean, he said this, right? The the being the chief executive of a city, all of them, all mayors, unless you're really beholden to the unions, they always have big fights. About eight years with the Providence firefighters, right? Yes. Angel Tavares uh, was was favorable to the firefighters, but fought with the police. He fought with the teachers. So this is not uncommon in any way at all. Um, he he wants people to know. You know, I was I was willing to kind of hold the line. Now, again, his the, the challenge with this is, you know, for people out there is you 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 know you hear okay, I was willing to take on the union. The money I wanted to invest, though, you know, was going to very liberal causes and things like that. And that's what makes right. people say, oh, I don't like him. He, he, he is, he, if, if nothing else, he's pretty consistent, though. I mean, he, he, is. he hasn't really flipped. You know, a couple of things, charter schools, I think he changed around on a little bit. But I would argue, I think you would, too, he came around to the right side of charter schools. So credit yes. to him on that. Yes. And I, I think uh, Dan McGowan also, there's an element of, whether it is someone in Mayor Lorz's position and or the charter school people themselves, they need to educate people more about what makes them work, uh, how it works. It is public. There's, there's a lot of unknowns. For instance, I know in certain areas of Florida, if they deem a public school is, is quote, like a failing school, yeah. boom, then they allow a charter school to open within that region. So then you have an option. I don't think people fully explain that. No, because well, then you, you right, you hear people saying, "Oh, so then there's no school. You're going to close all the schools. You're actually doing it kind of one at a time and allowing the charter school, in essence, to provide competition for the public school." More than that, I mean, the thing is that there's lots of issues that you can kind of almost uh, you can almost hide behind current federal law if you want to really reform the schools. The federal law right now. This was an started out as no child left behind under bush as you remember but then under president obama they revamped no child left behind they changed the law to some degree but they kept something in place if, if your state and this is every state in the country every state is required to identify the bottom five percent of, of of lowest performing schools in their state that is again required by federal law rhode island just did it uh, as you can imagine, the vast majority of those schools are in Providence. And when those, those schools are identified, you have a, a just dramatic ability to make changes. In some states, it's close it down. Uh, in many states, in fact, it's close it down. In, in Rhode Island for a time, under Deb Gist, uh, this, the idea was close those schools down. Now you're seeing a much more, I think, um, you know, kind of pro-union approach to this, which is let's throw lots of money at the problem. Let's try to change the contract around here and there. And I think this is what frustrates Mayor Lorza is he's saying, look, on the ground, I, I see no difference. In fact, I think things are worse. And so all of these, you know, the, the laws that are in place, nobody takes, you know, real advantage of them. That's his gripe with the state takeover. That's what the point of the takeover was to to really rip up the contract and change things. And so this is where the mayor comes back to, he's right. Nobody really takes this seriously, even though they do actually, in his opinion, uh, have the tools to actually make these changes. Folks, quick break. You want to hear our next segment where uh, Dan McGowan and also his colleague Ed Fitzpatrick sat down with Senate President Dominic Ruggiero. It's all ahead right here on the John DePietro Show. Get the most of your outdoor space with Limitless Outdoors. Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors. They specialize in patios, walkways, steps. They did a fantastic job on my outside steps. Outdoor kitchens, landscape lighting, retaining walls, lawn installations, 
excavation call limitless outdoors today let's dream build and enjoy 401-580-1852 based in smithfield limitless outdoors they also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces limitless outdoors call them today free quote get the most of your outside you're gonna love what they can do for you 401-580-1852 401-580-1852 limitless outdoors dream build enjoy We're speaking with Boston Globe columnist. It's Dan McGowan. Dan, uh, there's a, a story in today's Globe a piece, I should say. You and your colleague, Ed Fitzpatrick. By the way, I like the, I don't know how that came about, but I like the tandem. The speaker, now you're sitting down with the Senate president. I'll say this about Dominic Ruggiero. A lot of people don't fully know who he is. He could walk into a restaurant very unassumingly. You, you want to talk about powerful people in the state. It, it is it is Dominic Ruggiero. Uh, I, I think this is very insightful, the interview that you and Ed Fitzpatrick did with him. Well, thank you behind the scenes. I think you'll appreciate this. Uh, the, one of the reasons why kind of us teaming up together to do these things is the two of us have very different interview styles. Okay. Um, quite frankly, I tend to be like a little more gossipy and kind of, a, you know, I want to make everybody feel easy so they tell me things. Um, yep. I think Ed is much more very direct and it actually makes for in both cases, the speaker and the, the majority leader last week and this week, the Senate president, and the Senate majority leader, you, know, you get real news out of these guys when you can kind of, you know, just throw questions at them and, and kind of work them differently, even though you're all in the same room. So uh, uh, thank you for kind of recognizing that. Uh, and you're right. Look, Dominic Ruggiero was, uh. was one of the most powerful people in Rhode Island long before he became the president of the Senate, yes. uh, right? You know, he was a big influential labor leader. And, and, and you know, he's, he's been in the state house for 45 years. So he's always been a, a you know, a powerful lawmaker. Um, and he, he's pretty clear. He, he, he is ready. I'll, I'll tell you this, the thing that I observed about him, I've interviewed him about a hundred times over the last decade that I've been here. And I've always found him to be quite frankly, like a very good interview. It's a right. little nervous. He has no interest in dealing with the press. No. The most relaxed. I mean, this is a guy who knows I won by a big mandate in North Providence. Yep. My chamber is secure. So my job as Senate president is secure. And he was willing to tee off. He uh, you know, wants to eliminate the secretary of, exe- of uh, the executive office of health and human services. That's one of the big jobs in the state um he wants to eliminate the job completely says it's unfair that you know all these other that that person and that's been a you know a uh revolving door in some ways remember liz roberts was there under gina raimondo woman senator jones um and they have an acting person there now he just wants to get rid of it and say hey we'll make all of these uh you know department of health and DCYF, all these agencies will just make them cabinet level positions. So then each director will be accountable, not some secretary who, you know, gets blamed for everything. It's an interesting concept. It's one I'd never heard before yesterday. Um, and so he wants to do that. You know, he came out, he came out swinging on Mara Lorza. Uh, I had this in roadmap, my, my newsletter this morning, you know, he, he's very disappointed with how the mayor handled economic development. He blames right. the mayor almost exclusively wow. um, for lack of development on the 195 land, but they're ready. They're, they're ready to go. They're even strong, feels very strongly about uh, no, you know, same day registration voting, which is kind of a conservative turn to some degree uh, for a Democrat in this state. So he, he is, uh, he's ready for this session. I'll tell you this, you and I talked last week, and I, and, I, and I still agree with it, the, the concept that, you know, the, the person in charge in this state right now is House Speaker Joseph Shikarchi. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's the case. But you can tell the Senate president is not going down without a fight. He, he is. No. He's ready to kind of have, you know, pick issues and have fights with the House when it's necessary. Uh, he wants people to know he is still there. You you can't get anything done if he, if he's that's if right. he's against it. And. Someone who who is very powerful said the the last thing you want is if he calls you and he's not 
I, I forget exactly the line he'll say, either it doesn't work for me or I think I got a problem with this. That means you have a problem if, if, if he calls you, but you can't get anything done. The line, though, of the column, and I love this because whoever decided to keep this in, it perfectly fits who he is and then takes me inside the room. And that is, I mean, we got the lady that ran for governor. That was ridiculous. <laughs> Talking about Ashley Kalis and against same day voter registration. That is such a good quote. I love the fact she spent five million and he can't even recall her name. The lady that that lady that ran for governor. But Dan McGowan, he also says, hey, listen, same day voter registration. I'll get 10 buses. I'll bust them in from all over the place. I bet Pat Crowley's like, what? Why is he acknowledging that's what we can do? But that tells me the tone that he was very straightforward with you guys. Well, forget Pat Crowley. It's his staff. You look around the room. You know, these guys yeah. always come armed with 10 staffers and all kinds of things like that. Look around the room and everybody's a little bit cringing. Except mm. here's the thing. They know he, he, this wasn't a show, right? He, he didn't come in. Again, I've interviewed him 100 times. He, he always has a point, right? He knows what he wants to say. But this is a guy who feels extremely comfortable. You know, he 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 believes in his eyes he cannot be beat in North Providence, and which means that right now he cannot be beat in the Senate. And so he's going to say, you know what, I'm going to speak my mind a little bit. He thinks that whether he's right or wrong, we could have this debate all day. He thinks that the majority of voters are on his side on a lot of these key issues. He may not be as articulate, you know, not like a guy who's who's much much older and much more kind of italian and that sort of thing you you know labor leader guy you may not love the style but he is convinced that the majority of rhode islanders actually align with him on most issues and that's why you know when, when you when you're confident in and of itself and then you believe actually that you're you're in the right and the people believe you're in the right. That's what makes you really powerful. Yes. And let me tell you something. The word of Ruggiero, it means something. You want to talk about like a handshake. If he says deal, it, it's a deal. Well, he said, is- I'll tell you, he, he said, well, one quick thing. I, I, I'm not sure if this actually made the, 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 the cutting room floor for the story, but we asked him, you know, what's the, what's the biggest change you've seen um, in your time in legislature. And he said, number one thing, he said, like, your word used to mean everything. Yep. And he said, now you can't really trust everybody. And that's that harms the, the chamber. That shows you how much he views, you know, your word mattering. Yeah, just because then when he's speaking, um, it, it's got to hold up. Or you, the last thing you want, you don't want to make a guy like that look bad. That's right. You want to go back on your word. But Dan McGowan, after speaking with both, uh, Governor McKee's got a problem with his Rhode Island Housing Secretary, Josh Saul. And Josh Saul, uh, you know, I don't know him, but he, he's got a he's he's got a short, short amount of time here to pull things together because you have two people that that are very unhappy with the way <laughs> things are going with that, uh, not just in front of the state house, But but that is a very strong message to Governor McKee that he better get that guy in line. Yeah, I mean, and by the way, this was, a, you know, an, an office that um in a job that joe shikarchi really pushed for he he kind of in a lot of ways vouched for it he he used you know i want a housing secretary as one of his you know chips if you if you think about it in a poker way last year to get it all done and then you know last week he says to us you know what's your grade for him i for incomplete we asked you know have you has he do you think he's done anything yet not yet uh, and then so you asked the same question to the Senate president. He was actually quite funny. He said, I'd give him a certificate of attendance. That's all I give him. Wow. Done anything at all. Uh, when you you're, you hit it on the head, you have both the Senate president and the House speaker um, seemingly out to get you or at least with their eyes on you. Uh, it's incredibly difficult to survive unless, to your point, if you have some sort of dramatic you know, shift in the next couple of months, but it doesn't appear that that's going to happen. And by the way, the House and the Senate plan in your ability to succeed. So if they don't like you, they're not going to be inclined to help you either. Yeah, there's so much here. I also like you got out of him about the Rhode Island political cooperative. You know, there's there's one uh, there's one kind of red flag here, though, about the Providence takeover. When he talks about, well, you know, maybe get the Rhode Island Foundation involved, maybe more money. I, I mean, if you listen, Dan McGowan, to whether it's Infante Green, even Gina Raimondo used to say it's not a money it's problem. It's not money. 
So that's that's certainly a cause for concern if then they start to kind of muck it up a little bit mm-hmm. with, well, maybe we need to appropriate more money into the equation. Uh, that That's for anyone that's been paying attention. I, that doesn't seem to be the problem, but he's he's again, he's he's a very powerful person. And if he's sitting up there in a meeting, he and Speaker Sakachi, they, they're going to hear him out. Yeah, well, interestingly, the in in, in year ahead, I mean, people have been fairly consistent about this that the money is not exactly <laughs> by any means the problem. There's no money going to the private schools, and there's plenty of more money coming. Right? It's not. This is not like you know t- next year all this money dries up. Providence will be well funded uh, for a very long time because again, when you have all the schools that are failing in the state, uh, not exclusively, but you know what I mean. You you get tranches of federal money on top of all the state money that you're getting the thing that struck me i'll tell you is is the truth is about the senate and, the, and this is a very legitimate critique of of dominic ruggiero is just by his nature who he is he's very pro-union right and so uh. what you've seen over the years is it, it usually the you know anti-charter school bills uh, you know, end the takeover, those kind of things usually stem, you know, come from the Senate. And then it's on to, you know, will the governor do this? Will the, will the House do it? I asked that question. I said, are we going to see any bills? And I asked both both uh, the Senate president and leader Pearson, who's pretty anti-charter school himself. I said, are we going to see any bills that are going to be specific to the Providence takeover in the sense of giving back the schools, number one? Number two, are we going to see any of these bills where you try to kill the charter schools? I thought it was really interesting. Number one, Dominic Rosario said, absolutely not. We're not going to have a, you know, a Providence takeover bill this year. That's not going to happen. Pearson, who, again, is he's anti-charter school. It's interesting that he's not exactly – uh, the most beholden to the unions. He, he views this as a fiscal issue, but it, there's obviously a union component to it. He said, look, I fought for against charter schools for years. I fought uh, Governor McKee when he was lieutenant governor and when he was mayor of Cumberland, because they're both Cumberland guys about charter schools. We've looked at this. There's no support in the House for, for a charter school bill. There's no support for the governor for a charter school bill. So we're going to leave it on the table. We don't want to do anything. So kind of for school reformers out there, you actually have pretty good news on that front. But to your point, going back to this, you know, he wants to bring the Rhode Island Foundation in, um, uh, Ruggiero does, and try to, you know, again, he's talking about more money. I, I don't think simply giving more money given everything that's happening um, really solves anything. I think you just have more money to fight over. Yeah. One last thing, Dave McGowan, with you and Ed Fitzpatrick, but my only regret is I wish you had been in on that card game of the <laughs> podcast of mother, may I, or whatever the name of the game is, may I, uh, when, when the governor <laughs> just went off the rails, I wish you had been in part of that. I like the duo. Well, Somehow you I, got dro- I, I got name dropped. I think I got name dropped in that thing anyway. anyway somehow, so. To get it right. Tell McGowan <laughs> to get it right. So that is still one of my favorite. You know, I went back and listened to that again the other day. It's just one of my favorite parts of the election season because <laughs> it just went off the rails so quickly with the simple question of, you know, some people would say you were dealt a good hand and boom, it went on right from there. Now, folks, we have a Christmas offering for you, and that is that you can receive Roadmap uh, Monday through Friday free into your inbox. Number one, Dan McGowan breaks news. Number two, it's links to all the stories in the globe. I think there's still stories about that Patriot loss over the weekend uh, and a lot more. And Dan McGowan, in the spirit of the season, if you'd be so kind to extend the offering of Roadmap to anyone that is listening right now. And very simple. And by the way, we're only going to have two days off over the next couple of days in holiday. We'll be off Monday after Christmas, Monday after New Year's. Uh, yep. But the rest of the weekdays, you're going to see this right in your inbox early in the morning. And then, of course, for the rest of 2023, you'll see plenty of uh, uh, you know free information uh, from Roadmap. So all you have to do, send me a blank email. RI news at globe.com. RI news at globe.com. I'll sign you up. You'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning. Folks, he's Dan McGowan. Dan McGowan, Merry Christmas. And we what a year it has been. And we will uh, we'll talk to you next week. Merry Christmas, John. Great to talk to you as always. And uh, yeah, we'll talk next week. The Kui said in. 
226 Cohesit Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Cohesit Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Cohesit Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Cohesit Inn. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. It's Monday. It is December 26th. Hope everyone uh, enjoyed. I mean, very cold, though, folks. This has been quite the cold snap. Wild weather from Friday. And then uh, just bone-chilling, freezing cold. Christmas Eve, Christmas. I hope you had... A Merry Christmas. I still want to wish you a Merry Merry Christmas. We can still say that. Now, it's Monday. We're going to do a little bit of uh, memory lane. I'm going to do some some updates. We're going to uh, re go back to some of the interviews that we've done. So we're going to float some new information. We're also going to float a little bit of a best of. So, But it is Monday. It is December 26th. Merry Christmas, one and all. Everyone, this is the nationally recognized holiday since... Christmas fell on uh, yesterday on Sunday. So, but you are listening to the John DePietro Show. Listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Joining us right now, she is an independent columnist. She's one of my siblings. It is Donna Perry. And DJ, uh, in the past, and a lot of people may not know this, but you, in fact, uh, worked for the Republican Party, one of the legendary leaders of it at one point, Haley Barber. I'm sure there's a lot of contrast with what the party was like then as far as priority compared to now. But by all accounts, there's definitely a, a battle going on right now for who, in fact, is going to be the face of the party, the chairperson of the Republican Party. Yes, I did. And great to be with you, John. Um, and that was in the early 90s. And I uh, was there under who, someone who was by the way, a very successful chairman at that time, Haley Barber. Uh, he really knew how to not only keep all, you know, the, the base very charged up. He was uh, kind of a legendary fundraiser. But he also, John, really understood about message and connecting to your voters and really knowing about the get out the vote you know, whole machinery. And at that time, very different from now. Um, but what's going on right now, I think this is, uh, in addition to, you know, there's always news about Trump and, and there's a, you know, the fight going on of the speakership, but this is, I think, equally significant. I really mean that about who will lead the RNC. And so we have, uh, let's face it, Ronna McDaniel, I believe this would be now she's in almost six years um, or would be her fi third term, and yep. um, someone who has been a very, um, you know, very smart strategic lawyer who does a lot of work for them is um, Harmeet Dillon. She's uh, very bright, um, very driven. She's a very rock solid conservative. And I think, John, even though when you're a sitting chair of that operation, you obviously, after a couple of years, obviously McDaniel has. You know, lots of people, they may feel they owe her. You know, you get very chummy. So right now it would appear she has the votes. But if people don't realize, let's say in Rhode Island, you really just have a couple of people who can be part of that, like, voting body, you know, because yes. it's a state chair, GOP, for instance. Um, and, and you have, like, chairs of state GOPs and then often, you know, a couple of other officers or people who are on these designated committees. But I think this is, as I say, I think this is as equally important as, uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy going in and then all the battles about who's running in 24, because what has been really importantly noted under McDaniel, John, they, they're not really doing the playbook that got really flipped around after 2020. Right. And yeah. you know this from, and you follow everybody in all kinds of news, politics. If, if the playbook changes then, then you really have to change with it. You know, sure. you, you can't say, well, this is how we've done it and everything. And I think what Dylan is saying is the GOP number one has to come out from under 
the notion of just election day, go to the polls uh, style, pushing the vote out. That's it. It changed whether you, you know whether you like it or not. And so she's talked about this: the machinery of the voting, the early voting, and getting. Um, you know, but also being conscious of the opposition with the ballot harvesting. She's talked about a lot of these things. So um, and she also said, look, under McDaniel, there were numerous really important races and the GOP came up short. And now is now, John, we know they, they don't have the Senate. They have right. the House by very small margin um, and and et cetera. And that it, a lot of it is about you've got to attract candidates who can carry messages that are not just repeating talking points that, frankly, John, sometimes anyone can find that on the Internet. You know what right. I mean? Like there are people yes. who talk like that. Yeah. Um, you've been very, very astute. Sometimes yeah, your callers. It <laughs> right. It's like, well, just because um, all these people repeated on Facebook, it's, yeah. it's not effective. Uh, elections are won by, as they say, you have to add voters. You know what I mean? You can't just say. We have this locked in base. It's not enough, obviously, because <laughs> look right. what just happened. Right. So I, I would just say that's one to watch. It, again, it doesn't seem like the most you know, fascinating thing, but I think it's very important of, of what is going to be done with the national party. And that, you know, and, and they also have had a lot of excessive spending that seems to happen under all the chairs. But I just think this idea that, you know, you can do the same playbook, it's not turning out well for no. the Republicans. No. And speaking of that, and again, folks, speaking with Donna Perry, DJ, you know, you start to wonder now if Kevin McCarthy does have the votes to become speaker. And, you know, one of the things I want to get your thought is that there is apparently still this never Kevin block. Now, one thing I'll say, the Democrats, for whatever reason, they seem to be able to get some of their party members in line better. The Republicans in the past, they they dealt with, you know, the Tea Party. And now, you know, you had apparently President Trump was calling people not having success, even Marjorie Taylor Greene calling right. people. But you have these individuals that what they say, it, it may play in a Republican primary. It may play in their district, but it, it certainly doesn't. But there are these different individuals. Some of them, they call themselves America first. Others, Anyone that is not as extreme as they are, uh, they, you, you, you can't talk reason with them. They're, you know, non-negotiable. Everyone's a rhino, blah, blah, yep. blah. They, they, they you know, uh, anything that mentions bipartisanship Democrat is, is like a dirty word to them. And he, he uh, Kevin McCarthy is still struggling. And it, it doesn't look like right now that it's very possible he's not going to get the votes to be speaker. Uh, you know what? In this whole battle, in my view, John, and making this such a public fight, yeah, uh, and it just feeds the media. That let's be honest, the Washington media they love to beat up on the Republicans. It's sure. more, it's more self sabotage. And yep. John, it weakens McCarthy. Yes, going forward, no matter if they can finally iron it out. My sense is they can, but when you look, as you say, that group of five, this guy Andy Biggs of Arizona, oh. like. J.D., like, you know, that's like saying the MyPillow guy should run, you know, the caucus. And, and right. it, it just is. I, I understand these people get into this. They may have had good intentions. But Andy Biggs, Matt Gates, in my view, yep. is just a little bomb thrower. He yeah. is not effective at all. Um, they don't understand about playing the long game and and. Like the, you know, we've talked about this bit in the past. They all take, and now, you know, Mitch McConnell, they act like he's a progressive left when right. you talk about who's out there. They, they have no idea how effective someone like that has been. And he lined up the U.S. Supreme Court, and that took a lot of work. Yeah. And, and it also, you have to have strategy and everything else. So I think these five holdouts, the other couple of ones who are in there i don't think their names anybody knows anyway but they know gates and andy biggs john is that that's just a death knell if they they're not going to get it so what they're all they're doing is having this in my view again it's just weakening the party worse yeah um, it's just about disruption is what it is it's right uh, it's nothing that can work effectively when you have president trump and marjorie taylor green trying to reach out to these people and getting nowhere right then then what are we talking about like what a they then they uh, to me i lose patience you don't know what you're talking about you don't know what you're doing 
your your vision of how this thing should work is is completely a disaster. It would not work. You don't have enough people, and all you're doing is, as we're saying, is is just giving more ammunition to the other side. And if I might add this too, like yeah. I mean, a guy like Jim Jordan, who is about to become, he will be chairing judiciary committee. He's really mad with them. And he's saying like, you have to understand process. Like it, right. if you can't even seat the committees, I mean, there's yeah. a structure to all this and you can, yeah. and he's supposed to have the gavel. Um, they want to question a lot of stuff and look um, what, and also what's rolling out in front of everyone this week, which to me, this immigration border fight, this is a pivotal moment, John. Right. The media should the Republicans should be unified talking about that. Title 42 is about to be lifted. That really matters in this country. And and that's an example where instead of pushing the media, I know there's coverage of it, but you need to have a disciplined, united messaging. Um, and, and we all know, and you've been long out front on this issue, John, we are seeing the ramifications everywhere in the country, not just the border cities, but look, that that's, you, you shouldn't have cities in Southern Texas being essentially turned into complete chaos No, and they, and they look like refugee camps from, you know, uh, some far flung war and you have people sleeping all over you're downtown. And, and if this country can't get control of that, and my point is that is what the Republicans should be rolling out this week, right? Yes. Like talking We're about gonna, that. Yeah. Talk about that. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Donna Perry right here on the John DePietro Show. For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Offices located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence. Put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for, for you through a personal one-on-one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401-434-1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself, you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren. Take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401-434-1510. Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial Advisors. We're speaking with opinion-making columnist Donna Perry and uh, DJ. What we I did want to touch on was this business that's uh, El Paso, the situation down yeah. there. We saw how you know the vineyard, Martha's Vineyard, reacted when less than fifty people arrived. They're talking about seventy-four to seventy-five hundred a day are arriving there. Uh, Biden will not go to the border. Harris won't go to the border. That Mayorkas claimed a month ago that the border was secure this is this is very serious we are not built this way uh the way the cartels the way that all these different countries they're able to recruit people coming in what we're about to have to watch happen this week and if they don't do something immediately to try to stop this this is this is so beyond the pale as far as having an open border and it is just a line of people in Absolutely, John. And, and as you say, I mean, this is really, then uh, these border crossings and, and people who come from whether it's Central America, it's gone way beyond that. It it, it's, it's almost, it goes all around the world. They're basically saying the Southern border of the United States is simply a walk-in situation. That's right. So that is what we have at this point. Um, I don't, Biden should not be allowed to hide on this. Harris, who was supposed to be his point person, let's, that's a joke. I mean, that you know, that's just nothing going on. And, and these, um, you know, Mayorkas and all the rest of them, John, they, they don't have a solution no. or they don't want a solution. And so they're, you know, all this stuff. And, and it is shameful. And you should not have the United States look like we're, <laughs> you know, a, a border between, you know, rival countries that you see in, you know, 
all over the world and, and et cetera. So I, I don't know. I think that like, there's not really an answer. Biden, they, they push around so many other issues and they waste so much time on all these culture wars, um, you know, and gender ideology and all this other stuff. Look, it, they've got to get control of it. And it is not, it doesn't make people racist or any other, you know, nasty word they want to call people to say that th- this is a major safety issue for the United States. And, right. and it's also not, look, the other thing is half of the migrants, they, they have horrible accidents coming over. They have coyotes. They're, they're essentially, you know, some of them die and they're in the Rio Grande and they drown and, and the whole thing. So it's very irresponsible at the very top of the U.S. government to um, just play politics and say, you know, that, oh, the Republicans are arguing it. It's like, no, of course, someone needs to get control of it and you can't have an open border that and that's really what it looks like right now. And the situation in El Paso, before we move on, though, but what I also think is interesting, Donna Perry, is this is not just a Fox News channel or a channel story, all the majors whether it's Lester Holt or ABC or, you know, This Week and Meet, yeah. they are all seeing this, this is not a matter of business as usual, you know, some border crossings. This, you know, people don't like it, but it, it really is basically like a full scale invasion of people that are coming in, treating it like an open border. I remember when I was in D.C. back in September, just a few months ago, they were saying, you know, in the past, they don't run for Border Patrol. They they surrender to Border Patrol. Right. And boom, you have to bring them in. So for all the criticism towards Trump and build the wall, uh, you know, it also comes down to politics. We both know that if for whatever reason, the Democrat Party, in my opinion, if they thought that once they come in, that they would eventually vote Republican, they, they'd seal it in two seconds. This, this right, is a matter John. of the more of those individuals that they allow to come into the country they feel it benefits the democrat party absolutely and there's no other way to see it that it is not intentional that they that's the thing and and as you say it isn't just haplessness i think it's intentional uh they do see that as just you know adding to their numbers and that's shameful look um it's known there's drugs there's fentanyl and everything else so um and all the people that come in here that need you know, special services, all kinds um, of services. Now, Donna Perry, also the Trump campaign right after the election, which did not go great. President Trump announced since then, the campaign has gone very quiet. If anything, it's been a series of, you know, bad news in Pennsylvania. Then what happened in Georgia? The legal problems persist. But now the latest with um, kind of puzzling that he had said and was telling people there was going to be a major announcement. And of course, people, you know, his base perks up and that's going to happen. And then it was in the form of these NFTs that could be sold. So these trading cards, um, a former president. So I I want to get your thought on that. I um, I, I am uh, puzzled by it. it. It seems beneath the office. I don't fully understand what's going on. I thought it was too early to announce anyway. So the fact that he's laying low for 2024, I don't think that's a bad thing. But the the selling of these these NFTs, what, what does Donna Perry think? <laughs> well, I, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, it's, it is beneath the office. Um, and, and I also think... Um, underneath all this, despite there was a quick spike up of saying people had interest, there was uh, somebody had maybe his Wall Street Journal. John, the truth is his online fundraising is actually beginning to taper off. Now, yeah. he may have had a big bump. They're looking for ways to do it. But I just think he, he's allowing himself at this point to be reduced to a punchline and, you know, to to just decide you're going to do that that to me does not look like someone who realizes that he could go back at it and have a a serious run for 24 in my opinion you know it just doesn't and i think it's it's just um there are as you and i i think have talked about the problem is out of the cushion of the white house where he still had serious smart 
um, good people around him and Pat Cipollone's and these other yeah. people, John, he, they, he has hangers on at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. And so he doesn't, and because you know what, if you want good political advisors, you have to pay them. And I think right. he's, he's always been in this like, you know, thing of, he did, I don't think he likes to pay staff and you can't, I don't know who he's listening to at this point. Um, the criticism came from many corners, Bannon and other people who were always supportive. So I just think that it looks, it's cringeworthy to me that he, yeah. that he's stooping to this. Um, again, you might get a bump out of it, but it's just, I thought it was actually kind of bizarre. And I, I think, you know, if you're leading SNL skit, you know, like, I just think that, it, and who cares about that? But I don't, I think this is showing, you know, how, how does this project to people who maybe said, well, you know, they're just kind of going after Trump and he, he has good solutions for the country. John, it just makes him look like P.T. Barnum or something. Yeah. Well, the, I, you know, I saw Newsmax did a thing like, yeah. wow, look at that, you know, five million in one day. What other candidate could do? Like, what, what are you talking about? That, yeah. I mean, DeSantis, and already it's, you're starting to see people start to wonder, maybe there's too much baggage, maybe it's time to move on. I know, and I'll put out, you know, right now a disclaimer, I know the Trump people don't, they don't like anything negative to be said. And they start saying, well, what about Hunter Biden? What about right. the laptop? And blah, blah, blah. We're talking about that. Uh, he's going to have some company in the Republican field. It was um, it was puzzling, to say the least. It seems odd. Um, I, I'm not sure what to make of it other than we're going to have to wait and see how some of these legal scenarios play themselves oh, out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, the January 6th stuff is is not going away. So, you know, for all this that could be said about what about the laptop and Hunter Biden? That's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about this particular president and um, or former president, I should say, and and like we've talked about Tana Perry, it's not easy to catch lightning in a bottle twice. That's exactly um, it, John. You know, when you start to wonder that, you know, and I, I never thought I'd come to this, but, you know, you start to wonder if, okay, you get 2016, but 2018 was not successful, 2020 wasn't successful, and 2022 certainly wasn't successful. So you start to wonder the farther we get away from 2016, if that was just kind of, you know, a have once in a century situation where everything aligned at the same time and yes, and, and it, it did happen that way. But it's um, I think what they are finding is just how difficult it is to even try to come close to recreating something like that. Right. And I've often very much worried only for and for his own sake, John, like who yeah. has his ear right now? Right. See, I yeah. just think that's a big part of it. So you right. can't run the last cycle's campaign all over again. That, that'll yeah. 2016, you can't recreate it. No. And uh, the people that are around him now are not the crowd that was there in, uh, in 15 or 16. I'll tell you that much. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. <laughs> 